0: Hi,
1: Summer. Hello, Christy.
0: (laughs) Hi everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys. (laughs) He does pronounce my super fans. I was just telling Summer I've lived a hundred lives. What? Are those cicadas
1: here or by you? What? Are you hearing the cicadas? No. Oh, maybe that's a bird. But But is it here or there?
0: I don't know. I'm scared.
1: No, you don't need to be scared. (laughs) Don't be scared. Just let it happen.
0: I've lived hundreds of lives since we recorded last week.
1: Tell us about them.
0: I can't. I don't want to. (laughs) I can't. Um... What was your moment moment of desperation this week, Summer?
1: Well, Christy, I'm an actor, which means every moment can be a moment of desperation if you try hard enough. And and I want to say that this week, the first glaring moment of desperation was when I realized I had a performance Saturday night and my roots were grown out a little bit and I thought I could take care of it myself. I was wrong. Because as you can clearly see in anybody- It's
0: actually not that noticeable.
1: Thank you. I think it looks less noticeable on camera. I know you would, but I'm not happy with it. You know, I don't love a hot root, but with that said, it happened. And now I have to face the actions of my consequences
0: the consequences
1: of your actions that too yeah that sucks
0: that's why I will never do my own
1: hair and nor should you um but you also have lighter hair than me to begin with but part of the issue was I did this bleaching fiasco I used toner I don't know what happened and the next day was running around getting ready for this show it was an improv game show for anybody Interested in the theater. And right. I was so angry and upset and depressed leaving my apartment to go to Brooklyn to get my nails done, by the way, on a weekend, which was a terrible idea. Why would you um, go all the way to Brooklyn? It's cheaper. It's significantly okay. cheaper and it, it's worth the trip or so, I thought. And so I leave the house, like realizing I look like this. And it just had me in a really bad state of mind. And then, of mm-hmm. course, it's taking the train to brooklyn on a saturday which i just completely overlooked when i made this appointment because who does that? who does that? the trains who were not goes running to brooklyn
0: period honestly. who goes and to brooklyn these days? we have one loyal brooklyn listener so whoever you Shout are out to I'm them sure you love brooklyn. <laughs> um, in my years of new york city i went there maybe 5 times. oh i remember. yeah, but to our one Brooklyn listener, we love you. We respect you. <laughs> we see I will you. I just never come to your home. <laughs> you
1: are heard. You are valued, <laughs> but
0: you are not seen.
1: <laughs> well, and that—that that was the problem. Was just the worst place to be on a weekend in New York City is on the train. Yeah, or or trying to get a train to another borough, mm-hmm. and it re- it it made me viscerally angry. The entire day I was just in this visceral yes I was a I was a ball of a uh, I was a ball of up and, and the entire day until I had my show and the show went very well which was great but the the preparation of the entire I want to say 36 hours leading up to it was what I would call a big old moment of desperation
0: can you tell us more
1: about your show? The show is called Breaking the Internet Live with Summer Moran, and it is an improvised game show. And what we do is we take internet challenges from the last decade, popular ones that people know and love, and we do them on stage and make it audience interactive. And we gave out prizes and we took lots of pictures and made lots of laughs. So no complaints on that front.
0: Slay, that's so fun. You
1: look so interested right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was can you tell us about your shell yeah. <laughs> <Sleigh>. <laughs> like nothing going on in here. <laughs> that was the other problem was not only did I have hot roots but I had one bloodshot eye and I just oh, thought no. oh that's gonna be attractive tonight Is but this, it, it was did this go on camera time. was this filmed uh yes but the bloodshot eye had gone away by that time and we didn't get the whole show. So maybe we'll, we'll give a little snippet, but that is why we have a partnership between we're going to tell and internet breakers live. (laughs) (laughs) It's me. I'm, I'm the partnership. So Christy, what was your moment of desperation this week? It sounds like you had hundreds.
0: I had hundreds. Um, For those of you who don't know, I love the Jonas Brothers. Um, You do? Yeah, I just do. It's a fact. It's a recessive gene. So it'll (laughs) go away. It'll go away for months at a time. And then they rise out of the smoke at Yankee Stadium and I'm back in. So I come to New York City. Not truly, not because of them. They just really happened to be playing that same weekend. Um, But I was like, obviously if I'm coming, I'm going. And I was like, I'm only going to one show. Then they rise up from the smoke. And I was like, I'm here both nights, baby. But still, I was like, I'm not going to the second show. Like I'm going to see my grandpa tomorrow. Um, And then I'm in an Uber home from Yankee Stadium at 2am. Don't ask me why. And um, my friend Jasmine turns to me and goes, hey. I have an extra ticket for tomorrow. And I said, I'll <laughs> be there. <laughs> so I think my biggest moment of desperation was um, leaving my grandpa's house in Connecticut at five o'clock in like the middle of rush hour traffic. But it was on a Sunday. It was on a Sunday, but it's still like trafficked going into the city. Um, having to get up to Yankee Stadium before my brothers get up on stage. And... I jumped out of the car before she even could go in the parking garage. I, I'm like, drop me off here. I jump out of the car, run up to my apartment, shower, quick change, and I leave. Pick up Jasmine in Harlem. I get to the stadium.
1: Not you doxing jazz. Well, <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know if it's Easter or Easter. <laughs> you're like, you're like, it's okay. Harlem's big. <laughs> we get to the stadium.
0: I realized I haven't eaten a meal um, since noon. And I was like, I have to eat something. All the lines are so long. The brothers are about to be on. I can't miss them rising from the smoke. So I go up to a hot dog stand. Also guys, I'm a vegetarian, very strict vegetarian. So I go up to a hot dog stand and I say, excuse me, can I have a hot dog bun, please? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I said, I'm, gonna pass out i need calories in my stomach can i please just have a hot dog bun i'll pay for it and the woman goes she looked at me like i was one of the aliens that have been confirmed on the earth that nobody cares about she looked at me like i was one of those she looked at me like i was crazy yeah and i think she thought i was just like high or drunk or something i was drinking truly just water i was just you were cross-stated I I was crossfaded with exhaustion and hunger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, different type. So she just goes, "Well, I don't want you to get sick, so here you go." So all I had to eat during that show was a plain hot dog bun and a bottle of water, but it revived me, and I was good to go for the three hours. <laughs> Please, share uh, I want some bread. <laughs> Two, four, six, oh, whoa, one. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh. Should we tell them about Marsha Cross? That's I think everyone Everybody time. has waited ten minutes. They're like, we don't care about your concert. We don't care about your show. We don't about <laughs> I know, and I...
1: I don't blame them because I would feel the same way. All I want to hear about is the meeting of the Marsha. So would you like to start?
0: Yeah. So back to my, the force that came upon me when I decided to go to New York city, I'm just sitting on my couch and all of a sudden I see miss Marsha cross post on Instagram that she's doing a play in New York specifically like the two days i'm there and then like random other days within the next seven weeks so i call summer up
1: why don't you just call taylor, <laughs> call up? taylor up
0: and i said summer monday night we're seeing marsha cross
1: so we I get called out of work for it. last
0: well you call that a work yeah thought you got a shift covered you just called out
1: i mean yeah i was covered but i wasn't there is that different yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, get to Marsha! Get to Marsha! Or like, how long can we prolong talking about actually meeting Marsha?
0: Then after I called Summer, I got a bottle of water.
1: <laughs> I only drank a quarter. <laughs> so I get a text from Christy that says, we have to go to this and I get my shift covered and we get our tickets and mind you <laughs> we think we have like the <laughs> we think we have like the best seats in the house. <laughs> but um we didn't. We
0: had seats in the dead last row. Because, <laughs> and we also invited our friend Liz, who is not yet a listener. Liz and
1: we go into the theater.
0: <laughs> she's not a listener. Oh my God. If Liz had a podcast, her listeners could be called listeners. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we show up, we knew when we booked and we knew they were dead last row. And then we, go I didn't know pe- that. Oh, you didn't know that. No, I knew that. But then we walked into no the idea. theater and they look at Liz's ticket and they go, oh, go on into the orchestra. So we go on in. We're like, wow. And then <laughs> we're
1: like, also right in front of or behind the guy that plays Steven in The Summer I Turned Pretty. He was there.
0: Yes. And the night before I saw a belly and yes. um, she was sitting behind me at the concert. So I'm, I am canon in The Summer <laughs> <laughs>
1: You having a better seat than Lola Tung at a Jonas Brothers concert is crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, Steven had a better seat than us.
1: (laughs) Everything evens out in the end.
0: So then they look at our tickets and they're like, you're going upstairs. So you go upstairs and then the girl looks at Liz's ticket and says, you're going downstairs. Liz bought a ticket in the very third row of the theater. So we had to separate from her.
1: So we watched this show. It's about two hours and change, maybe no intermission. And the moment Marsha steps out onto the stage, Christy and I just gasped because she is so stunning and has not aged since Desperate Housewives. No, she
0: looks exactly the same. Like it's actually crazy. I feel like I had stepped into a like 2012 time machine. And. Yeah. We, the show is good. You guys, <laughs> if you're in the New York city area, I had a great time. I did. I really enjoyed it. It's really cool. Cause all three actors, they're just the main people are very like established. Like, you know, who they are. Um, so it's cool to see them in like a very small production, just like for the love of acting, you
1: know? Yes. It was definitely an intimate theater space. And They played off of each other really well. I had a great time. I'm sure you did too, seeing the actual show. But of course, in the back of our heads, we're thinking, okay, what is our exit strategy to get out first and make sure that we get to Marsha before anybody else? Yeah.
0: Like this podcast, it's just us. We're boots on the ground. We are hunting down these actors like
1: rabbits. And we are going to- I know it's shocking, but we don't have a producer. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a producer
0: we don't have an assistant we don't have we have no crew it's literally the two of us right now you guys um so we're like all right we're gonna find Marsha. summer's like i'm gonna look this way you look that way so we're just standing there staking out we're not even talking about the show yet we're just looking around we're yeah like, where is she it's time is and passed. all
1: of the other actors are coming out i took a picture with uh Brian Bat from Mad Men, and that was all fine and good. But there were three of us there, Christy. I needed all eyes <laughs> at all once. Directions. Okay, we With kept six eyes. We kept asking all the
0: security. We're like, "Where's Marsha? And they're like, "We're not. Tell- yeah. We're not going to give you that information." She'll come they out. They wouldn't but tell. We're us. Like it she was- has to leave the theater eventually.
1: <laughs> I had a plan. That I would not leave until I saw her. So even if that meant she, there was only one exit. <laughs> even if that meant she wasn't going to come out for a couple of hours, I would have happily waited. It was a very comfortable lobby.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't hot. It wasn't cold. It was perfectly temperature controlled. They're getting so mad. At <laughs> <laughs> They're like, plus 50, 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds. <laughs> And then we went to dinner. Okay. Um, <laughs> so then finally, we see Marsha. She's like by the elevators. She's kind of like rushing out all her bags in my mind. She's, I'm like, okay, she literally doesn't want to talk to anybody. That's crazy. But we're going to talk to her anyway because we have a mission. This is our, now our livelihood. We're going to talk to Marsha Cross. So Summer goes, Marsha! She runs <laughs> over. And Marsha looks shocked. And then all and then we're like,
1: hi, Marsha. Um. <laughs> the craziness of us going from level 100 to level like 41
0: we're like nice to meet you i'm summer and i was like i'm christy we have this podcast
1: and she goes what why don't
0: i know about this all of a sudden you guys there's a crowd of people we look and there's maybe like 20 people waiting to take pictures with her and she goes oh my god i didn't think anybody would be waiting for me drops her bags Her hair out of a bun, fluffs her hair, and then she goes on and meets every single person. And she was so, so kind. Like, I couldn't believe it.
1: That was the most positive celebrity interaction I've ever had. Not that I've had many, but to be in the presence of someone you are in such awe of and for them to, to go above and beyond to be kind to you. She shook everybody's hands. She asked everybody's names. She was very complimentary to everybody, Mm -hmm. not just to us. She had so much patience. And even as we were waiting there because we wanted to talk to her more about what we're doing here and just be able to chat with her, really, she didn't seem to mind that we were waiting. She took pictures and just, oh my goodness, even better than you could have imagined
0: no literally like she was so grateful for everybody there i remember there was this like tall like beautiful like black girl and she was like are you from ethiopia you must be because you look like a model and everybody in ethiopia looks like models i was like oh my god like she's just so nice and it's not that i wasn't expecting her to be nice i just i think because in my mind she's just this very like brief, like she's proper she went to julia oh my god i'm so sorry earthquake aftershock I guess um she's so did I not tell you we had an earthquake no No, I read it I just okay um but like she went to Juilliard you know like I I don't know like I was expecting her to be a little more like reserved I don't know why but she wasn't at all she was just so nice and welcoming so personal. yes and somebody that I've watched on tv so many times like at first I was nervous. She immediately made yeah. me feel so comfortable to the point yes, where I, felt I the same way. like after talking to her for maybe 30 seconds, I felt like I was talking to like a family friend.
1: That's exactly yes. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. She did a really good job of making you feel comfortable and also making you feel important. Just the fact that she took the time to ask who we were and learn more about what our podcast <sighs> is was just, I mean- it, I I could not have written it better. No, like it,
0: it was wild. And I, and she was so excited about hearing about the podcast and she is now a follower on our Instagram and quite mutuals with Marsha. Yeah, we're, we're oops now. And <laughs> Marsha crossed my oomph, my moot. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but yes, she's very nice. You guys go see the play. If you are in the New York city area, or even if you live in Belgium, Maybe take a flight. We met a very nice Maybe. girl from, where was she from again? Malta. Malta. So that's going to be the next stop on our podcast
1: tour in Malta. Shout out to Emma from Malta. Yes. It was great to meet you. Um, But
0: yeah, I don't want to say much else, but yes, we love Marsha Cross and so happy that she is aware of this podcast. So take that information I think also- what you will, but-
1: yeah, we, we have a couple of Marsha fan pages following us on Instagram or on TikTok. And so I think it's just a really nice thing for those people to know that when there's a celebrity that you really idolize or you care about, just to have the confirmation that they are indeed a wonderful person mm-hmm. is great. Yes,
0: like it was nice to, I didn't feel like we were bothering her, especially when she right. like came out, all her bags, like just kind of rushing out. It was genuinely new and little... It was genuinely because she didn't realize. Like I've seen pictures now. I think somebody commented on her Instagram who just met her. And Dana Delaney was there that night. So Dana Delaney. I can't we missed I know Dana she's Dick probably Delaney. a listener now too. We and... missed
1: Double D. <laughs> Not
0: Double D. <laughs> double D Dana. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I saw some photo and Marsha's like in full like glam hair and makeup still going out to meet people, and I'm like. Now she's coming prepared.
1: Well, I don't know if the show's opened yet, technically, but we saw a preview. So maybe that also had something to do with it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that we, she said it was the second preview that we went to. Oh
1: my God. One, let me fix this. Whoa. Sorry for my co-host's violence. (laughs) All right, let's get into the episode because after all, this is... We know what you did. It makes us sick.
0: We're going, going
1: to, 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 to. That was
0: nice. I'm Christy Gomez. No. Nope. I'm
1: Summer Moran.
0: Okay. So this episode is called Running to Stand Still. Did you have any thoughts on this episode
1: title? I know you love to think about it. I do love to think about it. Unfortunately, I didn't have the brain capacity to pop in that tiny bit of information. So I wrote down that it is called Running to Stand Still, but I didn't think about why it could be called that. And I still don't understand now that I'm thinking about it.
0: So we start off with um, Gabby, Carlos and Juanita awkward dinner. And I said, and then it's like a little flashback to Carlos and Gabby's like marriage and get them getting together and whatnot. And Juanita was so real for forcing Gabby to sign a prenup.
1: Yes. That was her having foresight. Yeah. I was watching this episode with our dear friend Liz today and something she said uh, really stuck out to me, which was, oh my God, Juanita is one of those women who wants to marry her son.
0: <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> and yes. she was right. No, she, it's very mm-hmm. Freudian,
1: very Oedipin.
0: Yeah, no, she's obsessed with Carlos. And then even
1: go ahead. If you, sorry. Um, if you listen to episode five of us, you said something like you made a joke about Juanita would even go to like the sex toy store with Gabby that. and you were like, I know what my son likes <laughs> and think about how that has aged now. Yeah. <laughs> One week later.
0: Wow. Um. No, that is so I feel like that's a very Latin mother thing too. So any of our listeners in Latin America... Let us know if you can relate.
1: <laughs> Are your mothers like this? Do you have mothers like Are this? you a mother who is like this? Do you
0: have mothers obsessed with your son? DM us. Let us know. Um, and then Juanita wanted Carlos to fire Yao Lin. She is not a woman of the people because she wants <laughs> Carlos, this man who makes millions of dollars, who is helping the economy by employing somebody who needs needs to make a living and she goes yeah you're wasting your money that's what fifteen thousand dollars a year yeah only makes fifteen thousand dollars a year i was like i was really on this just like because of the state of our economy and like sometimes i i do have smart thoughts i was like okay um what is that in today's money and i looked it up it's only like twenty thousand dollars
1: yeah and that is below the poverty line.
0: Below the poverty line. I was like, I hope Yao Lin... I need Yao Lin fan fiction in which she works for so many different houses and makes 100K.
1: Yeah. And actually, we have that one coming up titled <laughs> Yao Lin's Revenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... Um, but how how is Yao Lin meant to support a family on 15K a year, even if it is
0: 2004? Yeah. And Juanita... The- Juanita Juanita, your son came up from nothing (laughs) shouldn't you appreciate the fact that he's employing some like I don't know it rubbed me the wrong way
1: do you think that this is just another way in which mama Solis is trying to exercise some kind of control over the household
0: yeah because she's like Gabby you need to work Juanita does is not a feminist she said Gabby you need to do all the housework It really is a shame that Wani does not Brie's mother-in-law. And she made a comment about that later. (laughs) Because that seems like a match (laughs) made in heaven.
1: I know. I would love to see just like a filler episode of Brie and Mama Solis hanging out. Like Gabby passes off, like pawns Mama Solis off to Brie for the day. And Brie is like, well, I'm sure that we can find something to do together. And they have just the best time. They have the best time doing housework, um, playing (laughs) poker. That's about it. Yeah, well, they have those things in common. So that's how it always starts. You you need to have a strong foundation Mm -hmm. for a friendship. Yes. And then we see Carlos and Gabby in the bedroom together. And Gabby... The smart Slytherin woman that she is starts to manipulate Carlos and says, "Oh, I'm going to miss this once I have to start doing all that housework." <laughs> she is so smart. I don't know that I would have thought of that.
0: Well, she she didn't she say it in the last episode about manipulating men, and she was like, "How do you manipulate um, Rex with food?" So then we get to Paul Young is having a yard sale because he's trying to pawn off everything that he's ever loved.
1: Can I please bring back yard sales? Bring back yard sales. I have not been to one since I was probably eight and they are such a good time. I love seeing other people's junk because you get a feel for what their mind is like because it's like they are expelling a part of their subconscious mind onto their driveway or onto the street. And you get a glimpse into these people's lives, and sometimes they have these amazing treasures that you can get for like five, ten, twenty dollars. I want to go to a yard sale. Oh, 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 Christy, Christy, what if, what if we do a fever event? Okay, hear me out. Paul Young's yard sale, fifty dollars entry <laughs> fee, and then you have to pay for all the items yeah. you buy. Yeah, and But you get to keep those, like they're mementos. Hey,
0: a $50 entry fee and then $25 to (laughs) carry something around. But you have to give it back before you leave.
1: (laughs) But you can take a picture with it for $10. Well,
0: when you're here, we can go to one. I see signs for like estate sales every day. And Paul tries (laughs) to pawn off Mary um, Mary Alice's award for being like a good humanitarian... (laughs)
1: so i i will take this from here paul is trying to get rid of mary alice's glass bowl which is an award that she got for doing charity work and susan finds that incredibly odd and paul very creepily says in so many words we don't need a where we're (laughs) going
0: But Susan is really taking an interest in Mary Alice and taking an interest in somebody other than herself.
1: And Susan asks Paul where he got his fat lip. And I I ha I didn't notice this before, but he essentially threatens her life (laughs) because because she's like, How'd you get the fat lip? And he goes, by asking too many questions,
0: <laughs> he said, "I will hit a woman, and he will. He will." But I still love. I him. do too. I because still the thing him. is, the women that he hits, they had to come. <laughs> 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 and he is a feminist.
1: <laughs> oh, Paul Young, my sweet. Angel
0: Thankfully, boy. he's so baby our girl. sense of humor here. It's people watching Desperate Housewives, so they can't be mad at us.
1: Yeah, listen. People who are listening right now. Everything we say, every word that leaves our lips is a joke unless otherwise <laughs> stated.
0: Yeah, guys. I I'm scared. This is actually a plot point in this in this episode, but I'm nervous. Um just so you know, I don't want to call ourselves comedians because I don't think comedians are funny, but we are something above <laughs> comedians in which we are funny people. <laughs>
1: I'm, like, soy Keish. I'm, like, a step above hot. Like, Keish is, like, a step above hot. So, like, that's us. Okay. Like, if comedians are hot, we are quiche.
0: Okay, anyway, so then um, Carlos and Juanita <laughs> are, like, whispering in the corner and at, of this yard sale. Everybody really showed up.
1: That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Light. Losing my religion. So everybody from Wisteria Lane really, t- really showed up
0: for this yard sale. Like they all want a piece of Mary Alice Young.
1: It is the least thing It is do. because
0: they've been ignoring her for six weeks. They've been ignoring that she ever lived. They didn't care. Um, but Carlos and Juanita are in the corner and Carlos is like, I just like everybody she talks to. I'm like, oh my God. She's cheating on me. And you see Gabby like talking and looking at all these random men. And Juanita says, it's not who she talks to. It's who she doesn't talk to. And this is another line I think about sometimes in my day-to-day life. I'm like, huh?
1: Why does that sit in your I don't brain? I know. I
0: just, sometimes in life situations, I'm like, huh? I can't give away people's, other people's tea <laughs> you- right now.
1: No, of course. But you just, you just observe and you keep yes, that in the back yes. of your brain. And
0: then we see John over here sure. and
1: he's like shaking, crying, throwing up. He's like, oh my God, they're onto me. Then essentially we cut to Zach at the funny farm <laughs> and Paul is very intent on keeping him on drugs, keeping no Zach therapy, on drugs and drugs. he's not allowed to do therapy. Right, right. Which is obviously not helping the situation.
0: But honestly, like Aww. I think he knows that this kid's a sociopath, and we obviously know why he doesn't want like anything to be uncovered in therapy. But um, right, yeah, this kid just—he needs to be locked up. He's a freak.
1: We go from this very heavy scene where Paul is saying no to therapy and. You know, it's a very dark scene, right into a PTA meeting for the Barcliff School's production of Little Red Riding Hood. Here's the thing. I was a little conflicted because Liz was sitting here and she was like, I hate that Maisie Gibbons. I hate Maisie Gibbons. And like I thought Maisie Gibbons brought up a decent point about euthanasia. Like did she do it in a rude way? Yes, but do the ends justify the means? You can't kill an animal, even if it is a wolf who ate your grandmother.
0: Okay. So I'm in the middle of both of you guys because Macy Gimmons is annoying and I don't like that she's, she's very ahead of her time trying to make this show very PC. Like this is too, this is Desperate Housewives. Yeah. This is 2004. Like things were not PC, but the way she's talking, you'd think it'd be today. Right. That's, that's yeah. a great point. Like just really sheltering your kids from like anything bad. Like that's today. But I love animals more than people. So in the point of euthanasia and all that conversation, I agree, but I don't agree with her being like, oh, we just have to send the wolf away because, oh, we have to be more politically correct and not kill anybody, blah, 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 blah. So I see both sides to that um, conversation. Yeah. And then I said, Lynette is so me because everybody is just like sitting being like, yeah, okay, Maisie, okay, Maisie Gibbons. And she goes, I don't agree with you. I think this is actually stupid. And that would be me in this PTA meeting. I would be the one person to be like, I don't agree. We need to do it the way it's supposed to be done. You're all Yeah,
1: idiots. but you wouldn't you wouldn't be in a PTA meeting. You're right, way. but
0: like if I had to be.
1: If you had to yeah. be.
0: I think if I had to be a mom, I'd be yeah. a PTA mom. It'd be fun.
1: Lynette is representative of all of us in this scene. And in the next one, we see Brie with Gabby and Mama Solis because John comes in with Danielle. Now, here's the thing. Gabby's kind of like, oh, I didn't know you and Danielle knew each other. And John is like, yeah, we go to the same school. Do do not all of these kids go to the same school? Isn't Isn't it just like Fairview High? Like Zach and Julie, and then Danielle and John, like, don't they just all go to the same school?
0: Maybe John doesn't live on Mysteria Lane, so maybe he's in a different zip code. I don't know, because she shouldn't have been that shocked.
1: Yeah, but he's still in Fairview.
0: That's true. I, mean, I we don't know how big Fairview is. I think it's, like, a
1: decently sized suburb.
0: Yeah, so maybe, maybe he's on the other side of Fairview.
1: He's from the bad <laughs> part of town.
0: <laughs> or maybe... I don't know. I would think that Brie would have sent her kids to private school, but seeing as they have turned out, yeah. um,
1: clearly they were at public school. Very clearly. Do you know what would be a very interesting piece of lore, if true? So, you know how Brie was trying to put in a word for Susan with Barcliffe, mm-hmm. which is obviously a, a private school. And then I'm assuming Danielle and Andrew graduated and went to a public school, but wouldn't it be something if danielle and andrew got kicked out of private school and had to go to public paralleling porter and and prenup going to private school going to public school and getting kicked out to go to private school
0: i'm confused so you're saying i'm really confused
1: (laughs) okay okay this is this is me like why did you say turning in my mind this isn't real no because I couldn't think of the kid's name. Preston? <laughs> Your names are not yeah, yeah it. Preston.
0: Is... <laughs> it's Porter and Preston. I couldn't think of I name. I was following this until As you was... said Porter and <laughs> prenup, And then you act <laughs> like I'm crazy for not understanding what you meant. I was like, did Rex and Brie have a prenuptial we'll agreement? Okay, more? I forgot. Okay,
1: you're saying... <laughs> We are 41 minutes in and we're in like three scenes so, you're so saying far.
0: Andrew and Danielle got kicked out of Briarcliff and yeah. then Bree later makes the comment about Porter and Preston getting kicked out of private school, but her kids already did. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> let me, let me okay. make this even simpler. And I'm so sorry. I'm harping on this, but wouldn't it be interesting because we know canonically Porter and yes. Preston got kicked out of public school and now Lynette wanted to get them into Barcliff which she did off of Bree. But wouldn't it be something if Bree's kids, Danielle and Andrew, had originally gone to private school, Barcliff, we have to assume, and then got kicked out and had to go to public school. So it would be like opposites. Okay, so
0: you're saying that <laughs> <laughs> Bree's kids would get kicked out? but Lynette's kids would not. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, I guarantee you somebody listening right now knows what I mean. But like, what if it was a big secret that Danielle and Andrew had gotten kicked out of private school and they were forced to go to public while we know that Lynette's twins did get kicked out of public and had That's to go to That's what I private. said the
0: first time.
1: Yes. No, it isn't. <laughs> that
0: Danielle and Andrew I will disagree with got you. kicked out of school. And then Bree says, oh, what if your kids get kicked out of school? But they did. And I had to go to public school. That's exactly what I
1: said. And you said, no. Okay. I don't think I was thinking that same thing. So I think you just tacked on another layer that I hadn't okay, come up we're gonna with. We're going to
0: keep, we're going to move on. <laughs> okay. Abby is freaking out. Yeah. Over John and Danielle. She's like I can't believe this. Um, and then. She, she feels, feels betrayed. And then she's like. Bree you're letting Danielle. Bring John up to her bedroom. And Bree goes oh it's okay. They're in the abstinence club. I love. It. I. That's my favorite scene. And. and that's my favorite just moment of this episode. always knowing how. Danielle ends up. It's just so funny. Like Brie, I should really say this for a later episode, but I've been thinking about it. Brie really has the very first gay son thought daughter.
1: Yeah. Oh my and God. And she's the
0: perfect person to have them too. She, is, she the is the blueprint. She is the blueprint for raising gay son thought daughter. And that's honestly really lucky. I just don't understand why of all the
1: neighbors, <laughs> Susan would choose Ida Greenberg isn't it obvious take her car why because ida probably never leaves the house so nobody knows what her car really looks like yeah it's probably always in the garage yeah and nobody's gonna suspect her too like even if paul did see susan following in ida's car he would have just been like okay it's ida greenberg like who cares
0: i would just get so annoyed if my neighbor asked to use my car i'd be like no absolutely not use your own car you freak but then she says, do you know how to drive a stick? And Susan is like, of course I know. I went to college.
1: <laughs> Susan, <laughs> she's just such a mess. Ah, Susan. You know what? It she's really so sad. lovably messy.
0: There was no Mike Delfino in this episode.
1: I know. There was also no Tom Scavo. I know. And I'm really,
0: I'm really upset. Like we had to have, we had to suffer through Rex and we didn't even get Mike Delfino as a little treat.
1: Yeah, there was way too much Rex and not enough Mike. I would have even taken some Tom, like a, a sprinkling of Tom. Yeah. No. But no, we we were just stuck with Rex.
0: And speaking of, we get back to their little therapy sessions. And um, Rex suggests that he wants to have a sexual
1: surrogate to watch them have sex. Yeah, my note here is... Rex isn't happy with their sex life because, of course, he's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, this, mo- this woman can't do anything right. Nothing. Not one single Sexual
1: thing. surrogate 50. is crazy. Crazy. I just
0: wrote down Bree's quote of, how much longer is your midlife crisis going to last? Because it's really starting to tick me off.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Period, she was so right period, for blank that.
0: Blank. I can't believe my internalized misogyny made me not like breathe the very first time i watched this show
1: i know i, was, like, I know so but we've grown we have grown, grown so much the since years. then but
0: i yeah. just i was so mad i was like that's so icky and whatever happened to who doesn't i don't even want to go to therapy i just want a divorce like plot hole plot see here's hole. the thing
1: about rex is that he's so he's so wishy-washy yeah you know, he he says one thing, he does another, and then he changes his mind, like Katy Perry changes clothes in that mm-hmm. song. Yeah. And
0: then we get to a little girly poker, and um, I was wondering how many kids does Maisie Gibbons have because Lynette is. That's what. To... <laughs> That's
1: I wrote the same thing. I wrote the same thing I'm because so yes. And how old is Maisie Gibbons? She can't be more than thirty-seven or thirty-eight. Like,
0: how was she having kids with Bree and her? Not, there? not. She's
1: not having no. kids with Bree. <laughs> no, no, no. no we,
0: know, we know. We know. So, like, they they were like in PTA together, and Bree's kids are like halfway out. Fifteen, next. sixteen, and then and then she also has kids with. Wait, <laughs> she has kids the same age as. Porter
1: and Preston. And I'm pretty sure she's yeah. a kid the same age as Penny, too. I feel like we see her. Oh yes. This is another instance of Mark Cherry absolutely refusing to yes. do any sort of numbers. Yeah, no matter because let's just work this out for one second. So say, say Danielle and Maisie's kid were in school together. Danielle is 15, right? Porter and Preston are like six. So that's a nine-year difference. That means Maisie Gibbons has to have at least two kids who are nine years apart in age. It's not impossible, but what are the odds? Yeah. I don't know. It's
0: just so... And how old is she? I mean, she looks older than than Lynette and Bree. So maybe she just had a but later But not by that much. yeah
1: could she could have had a little surprise (laughs) (laughs) maybe the
0: porter and preston generation kid is a surprise because it's just crazy that she has kids but then okay no because later we see susan she has a kid the same age as as bree's kid and then she has her um mason mj with mike daltino So I guess it's not that crazy, Um,
1: but- So at this poker game, we see Mama Solis just knitting in the back. And obviously we were talking about Barcliff because Lynette brings up the idea of Susan and Mike going to their first date at the Barcliff play. (laughs) Imagine going on a first date to see Porter and Preston play Oak trees in Little Red Riding Hood. (laughs) Have they not been on a first date yet?
0: No. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> my God. I feel like I'm on Susan and Mike watch.
1: <laughs> and Susan is on Paul watch. Oh,
0: my God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she's like, oh, well, you should come to the play." And Susan's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gabby runs away because she has to go see her little teenager across the street. And I wrote Gabby as a feminist. Oh, yes. I remember why. Because um, they were talking about, oh, my God, I don't even remember the conversation. Usually when I write something down, I like it can be so obscure. I remember it. But they were talking about something about gender roles.
1: And yes, I wrote that.
0: Yes. Wait, what, what does it say?
1: I don't remember the exact conversation, but my note was that it was an interesting commentary on the gender dynamics of the time because Lynette was saying something like, Well, I just like the way men fight better because yes, they just that's get it, it out. Yeah.
0: That's what it was. Because she was like, Women can be so passive aggressive, and men just like get it all out there. And Gabby's like, Why are we talking about this? Isn't that a little yeah. sexist? And then they're like, It's just written about, it's just the truth. Right. And that's it was Gabby okay, that was just to be with very her interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a really interesting <laughs> juxtaposition.
0: Yeah, I think Gabby's the feminist of the
1: of the episode, and Gabby gets all upset because John says that he wants to cool it. He's like, maybe we should, you know, slow it down, cool it. And Gabby's like, no, 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 I have this all under control. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> she doesn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and in the meantime, Juanita joins the poker game, and she goes why are you guys playing for chips we should be playing for money and then when gabby comes back to the game she's wiped all the women out and she looks happy about it she looks so happy she's like this is how she's been making her living
1: (laughs) the next scene is lynette taking on the role of doing costumes and there's a, um, hmm, a little commotion at the pta meeting or i i guess the behind the scenes, the rehearsal. And Lynette says, I'm, I'm going to do costumes and I'm taking this into my own hands. Kill the damn wolf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, to hell with political, political correctness.
1: Lynette gets the vote. I, that's what I wrote. Lynette gets the vote because yeah. she says, raise your hand if you agree with me. And literally everybody did except for evil Maisie Gibbons. Maisie now
0: has it out for her. She's like, Lynette is enemy number one. Yep. No Martha Huber in
1: this episode. That was nice.
0: That was a nice
1: break. Yeah, it was a nice little reprieve.
0: But then we got Maisie Gibbons. There's always one villain.
1: That that Maisie could be a Martha variant.
0: I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Like (laughs) you could, you could just put Martha in that role, and I'd I'd be like, all right, yeah, that make that check. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that works. The next thing we see is Susan staking out Paul. And I wrote that I was a little bored with her storyline this episode because even D-story. though we yeah, even though we want to know what Paul is up to precisely, it's kind of like I'm way more interested in everything else going on. And then Liz brought up the point while we were watching this that nobody has to work. And I said, yeah, Christine and I've talked about that on the podcast, but, like, nobody's going to work.
0: Nobody, nobody has, has a
1: job. I think this all... Just takes place
0: on Saturday and Sunday. Nobody works. That's exactly what I told her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Susan stalks Paul, whatever. I just don't really care about the nut house. Um, and then Brie is at lunch and she sees Dr. Goldfine and she goes, can we talk? And he goes, no, it's the middle of the day.
1: And she goes, please. He's like, I'm not on the clock. <laughs> and then he's
0: like, all right, this woman's a little pathetic. So he lets her talk. Um, and then we cut to Carlos tells Gabby
1: that Juanita has a gambling problem. This is essential information to Gabby. Yes. She, and we she see her looking so smart. She is the smartest woman on the lane. She keeps
0: it in the back of her mind. And she says, I know how to use this information.
1: Um, and then when I we cut back, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I just wrote therapy at lunch is crazy.
1: Therapy at lunch is crazy. I wrote Brie and Goldfine, and her quote for this scene for me was, I love sex.
0: Oh my <laughs> and God. And she starts
1: describing in depth what she loves about sex. And it was just such a, a powerful moment for her.
0: And, but you see like the <laughs> extra in the back looking like what's going on. And then yeah. Dr. Goldfine is just like,
1: uh can we get the check and they're like sir you haven't ordered because he's like and sir you are also reading a romance novel at the table yeah so who is he to judge really
0: yeah he was probably like wow beautiful woman yeah talking to me beautiful woman
1: she gets even more beautiful in this episode which is crazy Then we see Gabby dropping Mama Solis off essentially at a casino. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing full well of her gambling addiction, she's like, I'll pick you up in an
0: hour. How the last scene is Carlos being like, Yeah, it's a really bad addiction. And then the very next scene we have with Gabby is, Oh, the casino is really good. Crab legs. Have fun. And just leaves her. (laughs) Just drops her off. And immediately.
1: She is ready to go see John. She calls him up. She says, meet me at the hotel.
0: But it's not Gabby's fault. Meet me there. Juanita clearly has no self-control. If she can't be like, Gabby, I have an addiction. This isn't good for me. (laughs) So clearly the only thing keeping her away from gambling is just the physical act of gambling. (laughs) It's good she's not alive today with online gambling. Oh, my God. Imagine she had an iPhone. She'd be sitting there on the digital slots. She'd be sitting there on the slots. Um, Then we get back to Maisie bullying Lynette. She's like, oh, um, by the way, Lynette, Celia is not... Summer checking her tears again. Sorry, it's a tear check. Tear check, tear check. Like, sorry, Celia's still on the playbill for um, doing costumes, so you're not getting credited. And Lynette is like, I twitch because she's been trying so hard and she's like yeah I didn't have time to do this 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 and Maisie's like well if it's not exactly correct Porter and Preston can be backstage they're cut like that's crazy and that is the confidence of a woman of many
1: children you're right she's been around the block hell hath no fury like a Maisie Gibbon scorned I would like to see a prequel this is what I'm pitching to Mark Terry,
0: a prequel uh-huh. of Brie and Maisie Gibbons pre, like when, when Andrew and Danielle were in the PTA and how that dynamic was. Cause I feel like it was completely different.
1: Yeah, I think you're right because Brie is a conformist mm-hmm. to a point obviously. So I would love to see them play off of each other.
0: I bet it was like Brie and Maisie were friends at first. And then and and then Maisie like kind of went off with like the popular moms and became this like monster. And then Brie was just like, I just have to listen.
1: That could have inspired a little bit of Brie's neurosis as well. Mm -hmm. Like obviously we know her origin story and cleaning up the blood in the street. (laughs) But I just think that could have had like another layer to it of, oh, Really? Everybody likes Maisie now. I guess I have to fix that, don't I? I want, like, a a prequel feature film. So then Susan
0: tells Julie to go to the mental hospital and sneak in what's one more kid and pretend to be bulimic.
1: Yeah, she told Julie to just gag a little to really sell it. But we see Julie parenting her own parent yet again. She literally says, she's like, you need to learn how to be a mom. Like, that's ridiculous for you to say. Yeah. No, Susan was out of pocket for that.
0: Um, Then we get back to the uh, casino. Juanita's sitting outside and um, Gabby comes back from her rendezvous with John, which I'm sure is a deleted scene because we did not see
1: them together. And Christy. I wrote that Juanita looks like an NPC. She is still as a statue. <laughs> no, she's, she's just sitting out. on the steps of the casino <laughs> and she's. She's like waiting for player one mm-hmm. to come talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to give him a side quest. You
0: know what it kind of reminds me of? I remember when in the tree the Jersey Shore and I thought my bag got stolen (laughs) when I was on the ride
1: (laughs) oh my god
0: when I was on the ride thinking my bag just stolen so I was just like straight face sitting there like oh my god (laughs)
1: Somebody who was
0: freaking out, like I was just sitting there lost in thought. I was like, My credit cards are gone, my phone's gone.
1: <laughs> this, like, high energy, like, <laughs> adrenaline inducing ride.
0: Yeah, that was Juanita because she just blew through fifty thousand dollars on Carlos's credit card. And Gabby's like, That's a lot oh, of money. No, it's
1: bad. Um. um My note for the next scene is simply Rex is depressing. He's like eating his little pizza and his little burrito in his hotel room. And it's like, dude, you had it made. Like how much worse can this get?
0: He makes me so mad. Stephen Culp. I know you're out there. I know you're, I know you listen. Come on this
1: podcast. Stop hiding.
0: Stop hiding from us. Don't be, don't be scared. Um, I want you to come on this podcast and defend Rex. Even if you as a man, hopefully don't want to, I want you to, to just come play devil's advocate so we can have a fun time and defend this, this horrible man. I, I, it makes me so mad. You're right. He had it made. I know he, he was living in a
1: big house. He had it made. You didn't have to lift this whole scene is, is off the charts irritating
0: brie shows because up brie shows up
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no go go go
1: she looks outstanding and he goes brie what are you doing here <laughs> excuse you sir obviously we see her drop the coat and she looks hot as anything and they start getting it on and it's getting hot and heavy but she gets distracted because Rightly, she gets distracted because Rex tosses his half-eaten burrito onto the nightstand and it's about to drip a big old glob onto the carpet. I cannot blame her for hating that burrito. I just, he has no
0: respect for her because he wants everything to just be the way he likes it, but doesn't care that all she wants she just like wants to be in a clean space. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to get burrito on the carpet because who's gonna have to pay the right. cleaning fee? Bree because that's probably her money. I don't think Rex has made a dime.
1: Rex is a doctor.
0: doesn't matter. That's Bree's family money. <laughs> that's <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's Bree's inheritance. that's Bree's inheritance. Like I. It just like really infuriated. Like, he's not willing to meet in the middle. He's not willing to be like, oh, clearly you have OCD. I'll let you just push the burrito back and then get back to it. No. Right. He halts right. all operations. What I man. I think the word
1: ableist might be floating around in here or somewhere.
0: Oh, he's everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate him. She's everything. He's just Rex.
0: Yes her period exactly no and then he makes her he's like you just have to leave like your wife who you've been treating so horribly is just showing up at your disgusting motel looking gorgeous and you just insult her and humiliate her by shoving her away
1: that broke my heart
0: the all i wish they made rex secretly gay That would make this all make sense. I I agree. Then it would make sense why he was like, if he was like a self-hating gay and then had to mistreat women, that's the only way that this would make, that this would like come around and be like, okay, this makes sense.
1: Well, hi, Stephen Culp. This is me talking directly to you. (laughs) I have a couple questions think about it i mean if anybody in the show was to have a secretly gay husband it should be brie
0: yeah did they
1: ever i don't think that was ever covered i'm trying to think about it i don't think so because the only gay representation we have is andrew and then bob and lee right right
0: yeah i don't think any of them had a secret gay husband
1: that could have been explored is, maybe if rex had is that one the one storyline on this show that has not
0: been explored <laughs> well yeah
1: because Mark Cherry was too busy having everybody get hit by a car
0: <laughs> hey Mark Cherry we've got a storyline for you bring us back to the lane
1: it's bring for the reboot
0: um, so then we get back to Lynette and she is tired she's exhausted and then her mom friend comes over and she's like I take my kids ADD medication
1: which is iconic yet problematic
0: here's the thing when i watched this as a 15 year old i was like that's so crazy scandalous i watch that now and i'm like okay
1: yeah (laughs) it's kind of like how she was saying that if you don't have adhd and you take the meds it has the opposite effect yeah but i think it's kind of like how if you drink caffeine and you do have adhd it's gonna probably make you tired as opposed to give you more energy that's
0: true callie has said that to me
1: um callie is our adhd (laughs) friend yeah we're gonna
0: have to put callie Noel, our adhd correspondent on the podcast in the next
1: few minutes (laughs) our our consultant (laughs) medical consultant um she'll never know because
0: she doesn't listen um but (laughs) um yeah it was just like a not as shocking to me as a 20 it, it's just like it's like when you learn that people do cocaine more normally than you'd think they do it's like that kind of yeah definitely. that kind of effect at this point I was like okay that's just not like whatever if my mom Absolutely. is listening I've never done cocaine by the way
1: she doesn't listen anymore. not yet <laughs> not yet no I would I would never no this Two time. years in Los Angeles and you haven't done coke. I think you're pretty much long in the tooth for it. Yeah, by I now. think I'm in the
0: clear. Um, then we get to Gabby and Juanita and they are teaming up. Gabby's like, we're not going to tell Carlos about this. I'm going to sell off all my jewelry. We'll pay off the credit card. It's fine. And Juanita's like, wow, maybe she's a good woman because she's willing to protect me.
1: But Gabby knows how to bluff.
0: Yeah, she's a smart. She's woman in STEM. She's so smart.
1: If you say that phrase one more time, I think I cut out from the last episode. You saying it four times. Okay, because you said it six and I left two in.
0: Because I was woman in STEM last episode. I don't know. Stop saying it. Stay. I just was. I was smart. We only recorded because of me. That's a fact. (laughs) So
1: so then we see Susan and Julie at the mental hospital. They manage to sneak in and Julie weasels her way into Zach's open room, I suppose, which you would think it would be locked, but no, no. And he's, and we finally get a big clue.
0: Yeah. He's just, (laughs) he's just there. Like he's just laying down like, (sighs) being a mouth breather and he's like I have the drugs and then he says something about he
1: did something to somebody named Dana ding 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 and now the wheels are turning now that we've uncovered Dana as a clue we can finally progress with this this cockeyed mystery <laughs> I love how the mystery this is one of my favorite things about the show is that the
0: mystery is like it's like the overhead plot but it's like a subplot for the whole show yeah and it focuses more on like their personal lives and then we get to this like crazy mystery so it's like it's like a good balance for sure yeah
1: and speaking of their personal lives we now see brie sitting at her kitchen table and rex comes in and brie is fixing a mug it has a chip in it And Rex is like, well, why don't you just get a new one? And she says, I just think it's better to fix what you already have.
0: Also, Brady has to change the locks. Rex, you moved out. This is not your home.
1: This is not your (laughs) home. I was so mad. I was
0: like, leave this woman alone.
1: Yeah. She's just sitting there repairing her chipped mug in peace. And he can't even give her that.
0: No. And then she goes off. She was like. What do you expect me to do? My husband won't touch me, blah, 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 blah. And he calls her a whore. That made me so mad. I was like- He said, you sound like a whore. I was like, that is, he is a Marsha Cross was so right to be shocked that we have an episode called, is Rex a feminist? <laughs> because he just lost his, if he had any feminism in him, he just went down the drain for calling your wife a whore after you were the one who wanted this sexual surrogate.
1: Yeah. I think that the main thing to take away about Rex is that he is a massive baby. Like he is an overgrown child. And I'm not even joking when I say that, because if you look back at all of their conversations, everything is stemming from the id, like how a child does. Yeah. And even in this conversation that they had, he's like, you upset me. And he he thinks in things, like, so absolute, so black and white. And he's like, well, you upset me, so that's why I humiliated you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. you. Th- he cannot seem to plug in nuance of situations.
0: No, he's stupid.
1: You're just a man. It's what you do. But you're just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: he's actually that was so vile like I had I had a visceral reaction to that yeah like he never yeah, considers I, Bree's oof. feelings one time
1: no no and he I don't think he has any remorse for that or like I don't think he even realizes that he doesn't like everything is about him all the time and she's still so willing to fix this marriage yeah I know Mm-mm. my girl hate my sweet gal Stephen Culp come on
0: and defend your man
1: speaking of fixing things in the next scene we see Lynette trying to sew the costumes and there are so many intricate costume pieces why are they doing the most for a children's school play I I get it's Briarcliff it's (laughs) Barcliff whatever but like I went to private school we didn't do that
0: And then Lynette takes their ADD medication. She finishes the costumes. She cleans the entire house. It made me kind of be like, do I need to be taking this? I'm considering
1: finding, I need
0: a drug dealer is what I learned from this episode.
1: Then we see Gabby and Carlos and Mama Solis. Gabby leaves. She's going to go shopping or whatever it is that, Gabby does on her day off which is every day (laughs) and the truth comes out about the gambling problem and Mama Solis learns that Gabby knew all along. I just don't understand what Gabby was expecting.
0: Like of course. She could have
1: gotten away with it too. Yeah I think she. If it weren't for that meddling Carlos and all (laughs) of his money.
0: (laughs) I think she should have been a little bit more discreet. Like maybe don't bring her straight to a casino but that could have been like a nice day with (laughs) brie Been like hey hey can you take um my mother-in-law out i i think she might like a casino and make it a little bit less obvious because now mama solise is like okay she's absolutely having an affair she was trying to hide this from me right um right and then I at some point I think we do cut back to Julie and Susan because I wrote if I were Julie I'd be happy that Zach was locked up
1: yeah yeah the reason for this is because they are in their house and they're talking about the Dana thing that they can't make heads or tails of and then Susan looks out the window and Paul is looking directly back at her as he's mowing his lawn creepily
0: he just loves to be creepy I I I don't know that's
1: the the young men, as in Paul and Zach, know how to turn any innocent activity into something mildly bone chilling. Mark <laughs>
0: Moses deserved an Emmy for this role. He did,
1: and we shall give it to
0: him. We should since the Emmys aren't happening this year, um, will they're being pushed back? We will do our own. Like we. We'll do a full Desperate Housewives Emmy. (gasps) Okay.
1: It'll actually be produced through Fever. um, So.
0: (laughs) Okay. We'll do it at the end of season one. We'll give out out all of our awards and hopefully, you know, by the time we get to episode 22, 24, we can do this in person and hand out our awards to everybody on the show.
1: So. Yes. That's going to be happening soon, you guys. And Marsha Cross and Mark Moses get every award.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Marcia <laughs> Cross, Mark Moses, and Madison De La Garza. Get every single yes, one.
1: those Just three because they have M yet. names. Yes, that's okay.
0: Okay, um, and then Juanita has it in her mind. She's like, "Okay, I know Gabby's having an affair. Who with?" And then Gabby walks up and she completely ignores John, and Juanita's like. Yeah. It's who she knows, you don't talk to.
1: She knows. And I know she knows. Mm-hmm. That would be a good edit. What? She knows with that specific scene. You should tell one of one of the editors. You know what I love?
0: Way back when you used to see it would be like three minute videos of like these edits to songs on YouTube. And I love yeah, I, watched I love that this holds up and it's this new generation is doing the exact same thing but they're just on tiktok because i used to watch this for hours
1: yeah same you could really get lost in a storyline and i loved like the fan fiction ones that you know could really be catered to its own storyline but i was like how do you do a fan fiction in a video and people made it work
0: did you ever watch the fan fictions where it would be like a picture and then text
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I watched
0: an, I used to be like an Annihilate Truther, still am. And I remember. Yeah, yeah, and I would watch those. I think there's, I remember watching one where like Nick Jonas dies. And I, <laughs> when I tell you my little tween hormones, I saw, I cried myself to sleep.
1: <laughs> but you knew that it wasn't real. No, but it was just a good story.
0: Like I literally remember, like shaking, bawling, crying, and it was just the dumbest. Like it's just like this, this like stock X photo of Nick Jonas, like, and it's like, it's like <laughs> I will always love you, Miley, forever. But it is my last day on Earth, and I was like, <clears throat> <sighs> 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 like freaking out, just like shaking, crying at this fanfiction. I wish I, I really is... wish I could find it.
1: So, Lynette brings the costumes on time. She isn't letting Maisie get get to her, really, until all of a sudden she does. and Lynette challenges her to fight. <laughs> she said, "Let's take this outside." Those were her words.
0: She said, "You make me feel like you make me feel like I'm the man.".
1: Yeah. We've we've had a lot of musical interludes this episode. <laughs> we have. Um,
0: and then our last shot is of the Dana baby blanket and it's very mysterious and then blackout.
1: I thought that was a great last shot. I, I do wish we had seen a little bit more because usually the ending montages are all of the housewives. Mm-hmm. But that is okay. I still liked seeing the Dana blanket as the last shot. Yeah, it was
0: still a good episode. I will not give it a 10 out of 10 because we didn't get any Mike Delfino. And that was upsetting to me. But I would
1: rate this episode a 7 out of 10. Interesting. Why? What would you? Well, because Rex made me really mad. Yes, agreed. And we didn't see a lot of interaction amongst the housewives. Mm -hmm. I was pretty bored by Susan's storyline like we said just the d story but for that reason i give it a seven out of ten no i
0: agree with you i think no mike delfino too much rex i want andrew back i love him
1: yeah we need some of that energy yeah we need some spice and some closeted energy
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe i don't know i want to ask stephen colp like did you play this character as closeted Maybe he did.
1: I would really love to find out.
0: Stephen Cole. Come out of the closet. (laughs) Come out of the.
1: DM us Stephen Cole. Come out
0: of the podcast closet. DM us. We know you're there. His. his, He's probably like Marsha in my heart.
1: Help. (laughs) Marsha in my heart is going to listen to this episode and be like, I can't believe they think I'm Stephen Cole. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They should be so lucky. Okay, anyway, guys, that's our episode. Thanks for coming back and taking the time out of your day to listen to us speak. We appreciate
1: it a lot. We will do it again next week because we'll be together next week. And in the meantime, go follow us on Instagram at wearegoingtotell and on TikTok at pod
0: message us your favorite moments of this podcast comment subscribe we literally love reading all your messages it makes us very happy now that we're not even it really does yeah like we when I said this a few episodes ago like we didn't actually have any messages and we were faking it but now we actually do right (laughs) (laughs) now we actually do and we're very appreciative and we love that we have even a little bit of reach so keep letting us know what you guys like what you want to hear um what resonated with you yada yada
1: yada and until and of course any thoughts on the episodes so if you're watching along with us or you just happen to remember these episodes as we're covering them let us know your thoughts your comments
0: yes we want to know that you hate rex as much as we do amen yeah all right guys until next time this is we know what you did
1: it makes us sick We're
0: going
1: to tell. Ta- 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 <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye now.